listening to Character Crusade. We did it. We did. <laughs> we think. We think we did it. Oh, man. Oh, my God. This is our uh, first shot at streaming, so pardon us if it's not perfect. Um, it will never be perfect. No, we'll kind of go we with a, a WYSIWYG attitude on this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Um, we generally get pretty rowdy in here. We are without Matt tonight, so it's just Joe and I. Um, so, you know, you'll have to just bear with the two of us, but we think we have a pretty good show planned. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, uh, we're really excited to actually be streaming. Um, this was something that was a goal of ours from the very start. Right. Yeah. So this is going to be great. Um, we've got a lot of things planned for tonight, so we're going to kind of have to kind of progress through. Um, we're going to count on you guys a little bit to let us know. You know, if there are any issues as far as the stream on your end, we are monitoring chat, but our plan is to uh, not monitor chat so much that we get distracted from the content. We have set aside some time at the very end of the show to do some Q&A, and we're also going to address some listener mail, which should be good. We've got a few of those. Yeah, we've got several that we can can run through. So, yeah, I'm going to try to – I'll keep a – a side eye on 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 the chat forum here. So if if I can okay. chime in, I will. If not, awesome. d- please don't take offense. <laughs> please don't. Um, so we've got lots of announcements, and before we get into that, I think. Do you need another beer? I'm. You know, we kind of got started early, it's getting so a little warm. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna maybe freshen gra- up. We're gonna freshen up a little bit. Um, But to start with, the first part of the show, we're going to go through some announcements. We've got a lot of announcements having to do with Couch Warrior TV, some things going on on the channel, uh, some things with the podcast. We've got a number of updates regarding what's going to be happening in the future with this stream and the way that we're actually producing the podcast. Um, And then a few things uh, having to do with Tamriel Vault, some new content that we're working on. And then we are going to get into our topics for the evening. And uh, we've got some interesting ideas here for character craft. What we are going to do is we are going to generate randomly a character background. 
And um, this is going to be interesting because we've not tested this method. It, it, <laughs> it's totally a, just a theory that it's going to work. Uh, we're going to give it a shot. What could possibly go wrong? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, everything goes perfectly for us every single time. <laughs> every so, time. Yeah. So we're going to generate a character background. We're going to do it randomly using these uh, lovely little things called story dice. Um, if you're interested in more information about Rory's story cubes, uh, we will provide you with some information. Uh, you can go to storycubes.com, and there's a whole bunch of different sets. But we're going to do is um, we have taken these these cubes. We're gonna we're gonna roll these and see what they generate. We're gonna piece these things together to create a character background that's basically entirely random, and we're gonna see what we can do to chain some of these things together and piece together a cohesive, interesting, and completely unique character based on how these dice roll. Now, the way that these dice are set up, some of them kind of contain some things that are, you know, considered to be more modern. So you can't see that, can you? No. Uh, That is a flashlight. So what we've done is we've converted some of these over. So where we see a flashlight, we we torch we put in a torch. Or yeah, where whatever. we see a skyscraper, we call it a palace. But there are a lot of the things. The vast majority of the images on the story cubes actually apply to what we're doing. So we're going to do more than just that, though, right, Joe? We're gonna we're gonna create a random character background, but it's not going to be just a throwaway character, right? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> We are going to take this a little step further and actually going to create this character and and play it. Yeah. We're going to play it. So, yeah. Kind of like what uh what we're doing with uh Sagamore right now with the Mortal Blade. Correct. We are going to take our randomly bastardized character and hopefully he doesn't have too many issues or she. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh we're going to do a group play with him. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're taking the concept that we started with Mortal Blade in in that, you know, having three of us kind of game together with a single character, and we are going to turn it into a series with this character that we're generating tonight being the basis for that. And we're calling it uh we're calling it the three-play series. Once we get this set up, we're going to try to record a little bit of a three-play series um every night that we come in to record the podcast. Now, my guess is we probably won't be able to stream that actual gameplay. We'll probably record the gameplay and then put together a video that will be released on the channel as a series called a three-play series. But um, we are going to reserve a little bit of time on recording nights to do that so all three of us can can chime in and follow along and each take turns playing the character. Yeah, I think uh, streaming would be really fun. That would be a fun, awesome thing to do, but I think we're kind of at the limits of our... (laughs) <laughs> of our yeah our, our hardware as as we are so yeah we've we've kind of hit the ceiling a little bit here unless um, we can figure out a different way to do things but yeah yeah but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more um later in the episode so that's what we're going to do for our character craft segment for play theory tonight we are going to discuss the topic of retiring a high level character how can you retire a character gracefully and and make it interesting and get some closure around the story. We're calling it sunsetting a high-level character. So rather than just stopping playing the character, uh, is there a way that we can close their story out? And what are some of the mm-hmm. ways that we can do that? 
So that is what we're going to talk about for play theory. And then we are going to wrap up with some listener mail. And then because you guys have bothered to show up here and chat with us tonight, we're going to do a live Q&A to wrap things up. Sound good? Sounds really good to me. All right. So the first thing on the agenda, as you can see here, is a channel update for Couch Warrior TV. But it is not possible for me to talk about that without having another beer. So hang on. <laughs> You're such a lush. You want one? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was you that was supposed to get the drinks. It was. Funny how that worked out. <laughs> how did we reverse roles? Okay. I'm older and wiser. Yes. But not much. Right. Wiser. Yeah, we keep the uh, the ale close to hand so that we don't have to take too many timeouts. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what is going on with Couch Warrior TV. I've been getting a lot of questions recently about, um, yeah, Couch Warrior, you're producing a lot of content right now. What is going to happen with Five Fables? What is going to happen with... Mortal Blade. What is this uh, Rune Runner thing? Blah, blah, blah. Right? Um, I've been answering these questions in the comments um, on the videos and getting sort of frustrated um, because what I really need to be doing is making a channel update video. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if, if I'm given the choice between making a channel update video and actually making content, I'm going to pick content every time because that's just how I am. So, what I'm going to try to do is add a little segment onto the beginning of each one of our podcasts when I can that just kind of gives a quick update on what's going on with the channel. So the deal is a um, couple of things. First of all, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a time out from recording content uh, for the next couple of weeks because I am upgrading my hardware. And by upgrading, I mean repairing. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, had a little bit of, of a graphics card issue last week, did everything I could for a couple of days to try and resolve it myself, and came to the conclusion that the hardware was just cooked. Um, I demand a lot of my graphics card, and I think it just finally gave up the ghost. <laughs> so anyway, um, any of you who kind of pay attention to anything that I say... Uh, my condolences, first of all. But secondly, I, I do talk frequently about how I use a gaming laptop. Not ideal, but I think I've been able to produce really great-looking content despite that. Um, however, that one machine is kind of the linchpin of everything I do. I mean, I, I record my content on there. I produce my content. I render my content. Everything happens on that one machine. So I've sent it in. Uh, it's being dealt with now. Um, I expect to get it back in a couple of weeks, and then hopefully I can pick up where I left off. So there is going to be a little bit of a delay in creating that kind of content, but, you know, it is what it is. So Mortal Blade, we are very close to the end of Mortal Blade. And by the end, I mean the end of sort of... The video aspect. The video aspects of that, the, the build phase kind of stuff. We've had some great conversation about the build um, I've gotten lots of great ideas. We've done some great play testing of this thing. And I think what we're down to now is probably two more episodes of Mortal Blade that'll come out. One episode needs to be focused on the rituals that we've discussed. What mm -hmm. are the mechanics of the rituals to sanctify a blade, for example, or to create a sanctified bow at really high level? 
um, what does that look like? And, and so I'm going to do an episode on that so we can kind of have some discussion around what that process looks like. And then I'll probably do a final episode where we get to test aspects of that build. And we're going to go out and tackle some dragons. My plan is to uh, go after some vanilla dragons, and then we're going to try our luck uh, <laughs> with some <laughs> elemental dragons and just see how that goes. Um, and, you know, and just kind of test the validity of the build. I really, I already firmly believe that it's a wonderful build for role play and a wonderful build for fighting vanilla dragons and kind of standard enemies that you'd find mm-hmm. in game. So uh, the next step is to just, I really want to finish it out by trying Sagramore against some high level elemental dragons to see what happens. Right. Yep. Cool. So, cool. so, Mortal Blade is coming to an end. Probably two more episodes left. Rune Runner is the new project that I've started. Rune Runner is not a build-focused character. It is a role-play-focused effort, is what it is. And it is my first time trying my hand at voicing a character in role-play mode 100% of the time. Right. Um, typically my style has not been that typically what I've done is just, um, alternated back and forth a little bit sometimes, but most of the time I'm speaking as couch warrior and I'm making decisions in a role play sense, but Mm -hmm. I'm not speaking with a character's voice in this series. My intent is to speak as Vander 100% of the time. And, um, it's really kind of a test to see if I can do it. Um, and to see, you know, if the quality of the video is good enough that that people would like it. Um, so that's what Rune Runner is. My intent with Rune Runner is to make it a continuing series and to put effort into it and do a lot of episodes and continue that story because I love the character concept and I love the mods. A lot of the mods in there are mods I've never tried before, which are a lot of fun. So that's the intent with that. So what's going on with Five Fables? Five Fables is temporarily on hold while I work through Rune Runner. Part of the difficulty of Five Fables is that I love the production aspects of it, but it takes too long to make a video. So um, if if I went at that pace, we would be lucky to get one video a month, and I can't tell a good story in 12 episodes. So in, in the interest of advancing the story, I am experimenting with Rune Runner with this this concept of doing 100% role play and what I learned from doing Rune Runner I plan to apply to Five Fables. So the plan is if if I find that this works well and that I'm able to do it well, then I will apply those same things to Five Fables and I will play Robard 100% in character all the time and not focus quite so much on doing stuff like you know all the all the all the cinematics. There will still be cinematics. There will still be stuff like that going on, but not to the extent that we have now so that I can actually produce a story more rapidly. So that is what I have for um, Couch Warrior TV. Uh, any of you who are worried that I might be overreaching on creating content, no worries, because really um, after two more episodes of of uh, Mortal Blade, I will really just be down to one series, which is Rune Runner, and it's a series I'm very excited about. So I think we are all good there. Well, too, and just to tack on in that, a lot of these these newer uh, productions that you're you're working on, 
has all kind of been channeling and building into a way of streamlining how these things are done. Right. So it might seem like you're throwing a lot out there, but you're also throwing a lot out there in a more streamlined, efficient way. So it's possible to throw more out there. Yeah, exactly. um, I will vouch for Mr. Stewart that (laughs) he's not quite overextended himself yet. Yeah. I count on Joe to keep an eye on that sort of thing. So if I'm getting out of hand, he'll send me a text and say, what the hell? And then I'll reevaluate. Um, so <laughs> And then do it anyway. And then do it anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, you know, part of that effort of streamlining things is um, what we're doing here with this live stream. And I think mm-hmm. that's a good segue into uh, updates for Character Crusade podcast. If you remember, if you've been following uh, our podcast since the early episodes, one of the things that we talked about very early on was trying to reach a goal in Patreon that would allow us to produce content weekly and that would also allow us eventually to stream. Well, you know, here we are. We're able to do that now. Um, So many thanks to those of you who've been lending your support. Uh, We do appreciate it. The streaming thing is is new to us. Uh, we're working to kind of learn as many aspects of this as we can. But one thing that has become clear to us is that streaming is a very efficient way for us to produce uh, an episode of the podcast in most respects. Um, we're still kind of working through the whole production process here, and we'll see how it comes together. I think it's going to be easier when we've got Matt in the studio as well, and we've got three hands to apply to the effort. But... So the streaming is, is great. Uh, we've, we've made a few um, minor hardware updates to make this happen with the addition of the camera, uh, the addition also of some software. We are using a Wirecast to produce uh, and stream what you're seeing now. Uh, one of our objectives is over time to continue to upgrade, so to add a second camera and to add some additional features to Wirecast, but um, that is something that's kind of down the road for us. For now, this is a great way for us to do this. We, we love the idea of getting you guys into the studio. We love the idea of being able to interact with you live during the show, which is cool, which Joe is doing right now. <laughs> He's doing a bang-up job. I am. I'm banging something around. He's banging something. <laughs> Joe's always banging something. That's just one of the things I've learned about Joe. <laughs> Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm quite sure how to react to that one. Yeah. But. So, you know, that that's kind of the objective. We want to do more streaming. We just want to continue to be able to do it better and better. So let's talk about upcoming guests. Upcoming guests. Let's talk about them. Upcoming guests. Who do we got? Oh, this is going to be fun. So uh, on June 20th, we'll be in the studio recording a podcast episode with Voices from the Dark, which hey. is going to be amazing. Um, I amaze, love his content. Or Amaze Balls. Amaze Balls. I, I tend to like Amaze Balls. You do. Yeah, I do. Uh, I try not to overuse it, but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Um, Voices from the Dark, if you're not familiar, look him up on YouTube. He's been around a while, and he's doing a lot of great content. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a wonderful, um, a brand new role play of the main quest line right now, which is super fun. Cool. He's 
playing a Khajiit. He he likes to do Khajiits. He's great at doing Khajiit voices, and he's done a lot oh, yeah. of 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 role play focused um, YouTube content based on. Skyrim and Gajits and, and a number of other characters. So Yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he is a lot of fun. He's got a lot of really great content out there. So we're going to talk to him later this month. And then coming in July, we are going to have a fun conversation with Shirley Curry. And if you're not familiar with who Everyone's Shirley is, grandmother. everybody's grandmother, she's amazing. <laughs> she is a 79-year-old Let's Player who is completely focused and and just immersed in Skyrim. Yes, she is. And yeah, not only does she play the game and play it well, but somehow she manages to produce videos as well. And they are amazing. On top of all the other social media she is involved with. Yeah, she's out there in social media, and somehow she finds time to quilt and sit around with her (laughs) grandchildren. It's just, it's really incredible. So um, Shirley's a gem, and we're going to spend some time talking to her, which I think will be... be fantastic. Yeah, that'll be tons of fun. So that brings us to uh, a little conversation that we want to have with you guys and, and thank everybody who has been so supportive of our efforts. Um, you know, we we do not uh, garner the same kind of Patreon contributions as a lot of big YouTubers and podcasters out there. But what we do garner is it, we make really good and efficient use of, as you can see here. Um, we are streaming tonight, and we are going to continue to stream in the future uh, because of the help that we're getting from those of you who are contributing on Patreon. Like I said, we would love to do more, um, but one of the things that that we realize is that uh, we we owe you all a big thank you, those of you who have supported us on Patreon, those of you who have purchased gear from our store, much like Joe is wearing here, Model Joe. Oh, Model my Joe. God, look at that. Look at it. It's beauteous. And the shirt's gorgeous, too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you went there. I, I just finished. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, so a big thanks, guys. I mean, we we make really good use of every single penny that, that you're willing to send us. So we, we certainly do appreciate it. We would love more support, to be honest. We, we would love as much support as you guys care to give. Tell a friend who you think might like this content. We're really reliant on it, to be honest, in order to do things like the streaming upgrades, to be able to be able to afford another camera, to be able to upgrade, um, you know, Wirecast so that we can include social media and Mm -hmm. add additional views of what we're doing in the studio and stuff like that. And frankly, it'll probably help us stream games as well. Sure. Uh, So, you know. Yeah. And there's so many places you know that we can we can improve whether it's hardware right. or software or yep. the website we can add more goodies to that yeah. all sorts of good stuff we absolutely. can absolutely uh we have yeah. yet to get i know <laughs> so so one of the things that we are uh looking at doing is really doing a complete overhaul of our patreon reward system um we've spent i don't know the last 9 or 10 months kind of feeling out the system to figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we have discovered is that the best stuff that we can offer is more of what we're good at, which is content. And where Patreon supporters are concerned, 
we would like to really try and offer more exclusive Patreon supporter type content. Um, we've got some ideas for how to do that, but the, the stream here that we're doing now, this is all being recorded and this will be saved as, as a video on YouTube for everyone to enjoy. Um, but going forward, we are looking at, uh, trying to set this up so that those people who are supporting us on Patreon will be able to tune in live and interact with us uh, directly. Uh, I think that being able to, you know, get into the stream live and do a Q&A with us uh, is, is something that is um, a worthwhile reward for somebody who might contribute a, a buck a month. So, we're thinking about things like that. I've been toying around with the idea of doing some kind of a stream-based, um, you know, fantasy book club, as well as possibly some some webinars on how to create Let's Plays and how to create Machinima and, you know, all these different mm. things that, that I take for granted that I do all the time. It'd be right. great things for me to share to, for the Patreon community. Um, eventually, the, the goal is to share everything with everyone, but have some of that content be exclusive per, for Patreon supporters for a short period of time uh, so they have first access. Right. Um, regardless, uh, we're planning on, on working through that, so we, we would certainly uh, invite any ideas you guys have about uh, things that you think might be good for us to produce that the community might value. Um, mm-hmm. We're certainly capable of a lot, but uh, we don't always get the chance to ask you guys what you want. So... Make sure you let us know. Um, we're, we're open to ideas. So other ways that you can support us that we really appreciate beyond Patreon donations is just getting the word out and give us a rating on iTunes. A rating on iTunes really helps to push us out in front of those people who might enjoy the content. And really, for us, what we really want to do is try to get in front of those people who would actually like the content. Um, and I feel like... So often, I mean, how how often have you gone on YouTube or on the web or something like that and discovered a website or a channel that has terrific content that you never knew existed but has been there for years? Uh, What we're trying to do is get in front of the people we know will value what we do. Mm -hmm. So thank you all for your continued support. And for those of you who are showing up tonight, amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. A lot of fun. So that brings us to our Tamriel Vault update. All right. Right. So uh, you may have seen that, uh, was it early last week, I think, we we released a new Tamriel Vault character build, which Mm. was Raven, Lady of the Reach. Uh, She is out there. She can be found on Couch Warrior TV. She can be found on... Uh, charactercrusade.com, as well as tamrielvault.com. We have really been enjoying Tamriel Vault. Joe, you've been pretty involved over there, right? Uh, I've been posting some of the, well, I've been posting all of the the origin story I've got going. So, um, yeah, I've, <clears throat> I've been getting into their, their story corner a little bit. There's a lot of action going on there. And I think the role play um, section is also a very, uh, well-used uh, mm-hmm. area of the Tamriel Vault. I mean, it, it all is. It's such a huge community. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely have been um, taking advantage of yep. everything they, they have. And 
uh, hopefully I can contribute a little bit more here coming up. Yeah. Now you've actually found uh, some people there who have helped you do all kinds of interesting things like, you know, proofing some of your content and stuff like that. Too, yeah, right? they, they do have a proofing um, service, if you will, for lack of a better word. But um, it's just basically, you know, it's, it's volunteers, people that just like literature that have offered mm-hmm. to help you improve your, your stuff. So yep. uh, my particular story that I actually wrote for Camp NaNoWriMo, which was in April, I think this that camp was, um, it was like 16,000 words. So it's it's fairly mm-hmm. lengthy. Um, I'm kind of still waiting in the wings for that one to kind <laughs> of get a lot through, of the, through the gauntlet <laughs> yeah. of proofreaders. So um, yeah, that's a lot that you up and I, I knew that it was going to be a lot. So yeah. I didn't expect uh, any kind of a quick turnaround on right. that, but Joe's become a fairly prolific writer uh, um, since this podcast started. Well, a so. writer. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prolific or not. But. Prolific speaks to volume. I, I think you're prolific. Well, compared to what I was, sure. Right. I'll go with that. I said prophylactic, prophylactic right? <laughs> Didn't I say that? Yeah. Prolific, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> I knew I said that. You know what so, I'm saying? Something like that. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So, you know, uh, I would say... A lot of the people who listen to this podcast, judging by the uh, mail we get from you all, are thinking about different character types and concepts. Oh, yeah. They've got... Holy crap. Yeah. More than <laughs> you could even think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was working... When I was working on Rune Runner, I, I came up with this the name for the character, Vander, mm-hmm. and I thought, hmm, what's his last name going to be? And then I thought, wait a second, have I seen any wood elves with last names? And I... I hadn't. I did my research and I couldn't find anything. And I went to Tamriel Vault and uh, got involved in some conversations with the good people there. And we had this whole great discussion about awesome. about wood elves and surnames. Um, and it helped a ton oh, in yeah. me preparing for what I was doing. So there's some great lore experts, oh, just yeah. just general good thinkers that it's, are that are really interesting to, to follow and yeah. read. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's a, such a it's it's that whole group think, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's working. If you got anything going on, and and you're you're either looking for something new to play and want a character build idea, or you've got a concept and you need some help with the lore, or some role play ideas, anything like that, get in there, make an account, post your question, and you will get feedback within the hour, oh, and it'll roll from there. Immediately, I'm you. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And all of the people I've run into are some of the nicest, c- courteous yeah. folks. They are. And they, they will definitely, if if you got a question, ask it. Mm-hmm. If maybe you've done something a little out of order, out of turn, they'll gently steer yeah. you back. Yeah. So. They definitely um, have a method. Don't uh, be they, afraid. They use to do things there. So, uh, and they will um, make sure that you follow whatever the procedure is, mm-hmm. but they do it in a very nice way and oh, they, yeah. they're very helpful. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I invite you to get out there, check it out. It's first class, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So uh, the next build that we're doing is going to be focused on a Argonian character. Now, our, our first build that we did for Tamriel Vault was a Shadow Scale, also an Argonian. And for those of you who have been following me for a while, I've I've always stated that I, I've got this policy that I just don't play any character that has a tail. <laughs> uh, so I haven't, I haven't played a lot of Khajiit, and I haven't played a lot of Argonians. But By not a lot, you mean none? I, 
Yeah. Could um, prior any more black? <laughs> prior to <laughs> making these Tamriel Vault videos, I had played no Khajiits or Argonians. But this project, uh, this ongoing project, has kind of forced me to get out there and actually play mm-hmm. test some of these other races. And right. it's been fun. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. So we're going to do another Argonian coming up here. I won't divulge what the name of the build is, but for those of you who love the Argonians, um, the next one that we do, you will get a kick out of. Now, that one probably won't be coming out for a couple of weeks yet because of hardware issues, but when it does, uh, you will find it on the channel. I know it came up at a good time for me as I've been considering of starting a new game with an Argonian, so right, uh, right. so kind of get my juices flowing. Awesome. Yeah. So, so good we'll, timing. Yeah. And, and so when we do that, basically Joe and I both build a character and we test it, we play it on our own machines and then we come together and we record our thoughts and it becomes really interesting exercise in not only trying new things, but kind of dissecting some of these different play styles and role play opportunities and all these cool things that are going on. So anyway, more to come on that. So with that, y'all... We are going to take a little break, um, and we will be back in about five or ten minutes. So go grab yourself a beverage or a sandwich or whatever it is you do in your part of the world, and we will see you back here in about five minutes. We are back. Are we not? <laughs> we are something. We are. We are something, Joe. We, we are something. We are something. And then some. We have our camera mounted in a spot here where we kind of have to look up to look into your beautiful eyes. Um, we So sometimes we're so busy like looking down this way or at each other that we, we don't engage you directly. So this is part of the reason that we want to get, I think, a couple of more cameras. <laughs> it's nice to have one here where you right. can kind of get everybody. I think even if, yeah, even if Matt was here, I think all three of us would probably fit in that shot. Mm-hmm. But we'd like to get one, I think, that's maybe a little bit more, I don't know, eye level perhaps mm-hmm. or maybe another angle so you can see more of the palatial studio. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we could give you a tour of the studio um, such as it is. <laughs> here it is, everyone. <laughs> so... In all its glory. Yes, in all of its glory and prestige. Uh, It is character craft time, which means it is story cubes time. Story cubes. So what's the the gist on this? uh? Well, I don't know. We got what? Three? We got nine. We got got nine six-sided dice. And best of three. (laughs) Yes. Or re-roll ones. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to create a character sheet here with, uh, no, I, I really want an 1800 strength no matter what. So I'm going to take my highest score and I'm going to apply it. I'm sorry. Strength and dexterity was always my thing. Um, zero, zero. Yeah, I had a lot of very strong and dexterous, dumb as nails characters. And yeah, so. dumb and unwise and yeah, yeah. really just horrible people. Exactly. Had no charisma. Didn't play a lot of clerics or mages. So anyway, um, so we're going to roll these dice and we are going to see what comes up now so that we can share this with you all. What I'm going to do, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to take a photo of the outcome and I'm going to post it to Twitter. Uh, Joe is going to put the URL to our Twitter feed into the chat so that you can go and click on that. Look at the image and see what dice we got. And then we're going to take it from there. 
and we're just going to take a look at what comes up and interpret it however we want to interpret it and uh, record this character for history and eventually create it as a character in Skyrim, which will happen in a future episode, but not this one. So this is the beginning of something amazing. Are we ready? Probably not because I'm a dork. Oh, you are? Uh-huh. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Well, that's not it. Yeah. If you want to get to uh, oh the Character Crusade Twitter feed, you're going to want to go to twitter.com forward slash character wonk. That's it. Character wonk. I'll add that shortly. All right. So here comes the roll. Are you ready for this, Joe? Do you want to blow on them, or you're okay with how they are? Um, I'm going to pass on that. Are you? Requisition. You sure? Yeah, all right. I appreciate the thought. All right. As much as I want to blow on uh, your dice. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Here we go. Ooh, we got some interesting things. Interesting. Ah, uh, we got this one problem die, though, that we didn't know what we were going to do with. So this will be a great one for conversation. All right. Now. Uh, let's see. Which one was that? That was this oh. one right there. So I'm going to take a photo of this action, these hot die action. Um, if I can figure out how my camera works. Okay. <clears throat> Are we good there? Sure. All right. Now, yeah, looks good. Now I'm going to tweet it, and we're going to call it um, Story Cubes. Tweet. Okay. All right. All right, so I put it out there. There it is. Story Cubes it is uh, in the Twitter feed now. Take a look. Punisher seems concerned. Yeah, I know he does, doesn't he? Look at him. He's looking at those dice and, damn it. He's throwing a hand grenade at him. <laughs> he hates him. What are we going to do with these? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with these? Well, that is a great question. So the deal with story dice is they don't really – the only – The only deal here is that you're supposed to tie together the themes that you see in the dice, but they don't tell you necessarily how to interpret the themes, okay? So we have a little work to do here as a group to figure out exactly how we want to interpret what we're seeing here. Joe and I have already determined that anytime we see a flashlight, it represents a torch. Uh, The clock represents something, the passage of time. And this can be future, this can be past. The the arrows going in all directions, kind of a symbol of, of chaos, right? We've got a key. We've got a rainbow, which is interesting. We've got a bee, And a hand, which 
could be a number of different things. It could be something having to do with thievery or pickpocket, or we had discussed also... The Dark Brotherhood. The Dark Brotherhood, possibly. <clears throat> and the last two here are kind of a puzzler. Uh, one just has an L on it. <laughs> and this is where we need your help, because we don't know what the hell the L means. What the um, L? Yeah, what what the L, people... Uh, so we're looking for some feedback. What do you think that that might represent? The the singular arrow sort of, to me, implies single-mindedness, which is sort of juxtaposed with this idea of chaos, which is arrows in all directions. Mm-hmm. So I think what what we need to do now is, based on what we're seeing here, put together something of a little backstory for ourselves apply these somehow to a, a character background in such a way that we could start to get an understanding of of who this brand new character might be. So I think, right. to me, I, I feel like probably the first thing that we could do that might be useful is to look at these and start thinking about which of these items really apply to story. In other words to a chain of events or something like that in which might actually apply to the character themselves as if they were maybe a trait of the character. A trait of the character. Right. Hmm. So, and we are looking for your feedback on what that L might mean. So, I mean... Let's see. Right away... I look at the hand and the key. And to me, what I see there is Dark Brotherhood and thievery in, in Thieves' mm-hmm. Guild questline. <clears throat> yep. Yep, yep. I agree with that. You agree with that? I do. Okay. Let's see. Um, what can we do with the clock? Well, let's decide what we need to do with this rainbow. Yeah. A little rainbow here. I mean, fortune, good luck. Fortune, Gold good at luck. The end of the rainbow. Treasure. Treasure. Treasure hunter. Yeah. Goes with the thief. Yeah. So maybe we have. This is a. This is a person who is. Oh, that's who, a good idea. What? So suggestion. Thank you, space X C I X. Um, L could be a sharp turn in the character's life that either led to or away from chaos. Ah, a right turn. The arrow could represent a specific purpose that the character has. Right. So that is a great idea. So Mm -hmm. I'll dig this once. We got Rainbow. Character is pursuing, they're pursuing the treasure, right? They're pursuing their fortune as a thief, which is our key then at some point there's a sharp right turn in what they're doing which results in dark brotherhood and chaos, right? So we've got a person who is focused where we've got... Focused on their their fortunes. They're focused on their fortunes through the Thieves' Guild. Then we've got a sharp right turn which takes them to the chaos and... The Dark Brotherhood, right? So those things kind of fit together. 
That is an interesting interpretation of that. So that leaves us with three left over. This represents the, the importance of time. There's some, some significance of time here, as well as fire or the torch and the bee, right? So I'm going to send you an updated photo. It looked like I just uh, mirrored Hawkeye's response. We okay. had uh, JY come in, kind of trying to get up to speed. Just got okay. here, so welcome in. And uh, Hawkeye was nice enough to help us out and explain. Yeah, excellent. <clears throat> so so okay. you can see so, what we've got now. So we've got good fortunes or fortune, a thief searching for his fortunes comes across an event that causes chaos in that single-minded type of path, Mm -hmm. which leads him into the Dark Brotherhood. Right. Now, one way to interpret this is to say that the right turn, the right turn in the person's life is a result of something that happens while torching the beehives at Golden Glow. Oh, there you go. Then the right turn happens, and we hit the chaos element and into the Dark Brotherhood. And then what does time have to do with that? So either something goes horribly wrong (laughs) and against the plan, which thrusts the chaos into life, or um, something of that effect runs into somebody, gets caught. Right. Oh, Hawkeye agrees. Okay. So, okay, the, yeah, I, I like the direction we're going mm-hmm. here, okay? I like so that. That's good. We're saying that we've we've got a character who is a focused thief, and during the Golden Glow Estate side quest, something happens in Golden Glow that causes this right turn and a complete change in focus. Or, if we were to take a look at this really in reality, what it is is a switch from focus to being muddled, you know, Mm. to being unfocused. And then the Dark Brotherhood comes into play. Right. Right? Somehow. That's one way to interpret what we've got going on here. I'm going to send another picture based on what we're seeing now so that the, the impetus of that sharp right turn happens with this golden glow thing, right? Yep. And then we end up there. Now, we've still got this whole aspect of of time, and what does that mean? Right. Right? Right. Um, hang on, friends. And just uh, to let you know, there is a bit of a delay, so if I'm commenting as you're typing in, mm-hmm. if I'm a little askew, or askew, if that makes sense in this sure does. term, <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Let them know we uh, sent some uh, updates to Twitter. I uh, I apologize because I am on a little bit of a delay here. So yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, our delay is probably twenty or thirty seconds here. So. Yeah. So okay, but nothing we can't handle. All right, so we've got the we we've got the thief, the focus thief, turn chaotic, assassin. Mm-hmm. Okay, with the trigger point residing somewhere in the Golden Glow side quest. It's this time factor that we haven't figured out Mm -hmm. yet. Yeah, the time time factor is kind of the issue. 
maybe maybe his timing was thrown off and he had to kill somebody in order to proceed ah. which throws him down a, the dark path of the brotherhood right or or yeah how do we tie this into aventus so if he has to go hunt for somebody mhm where he runs yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I the think general idea maybe, but I'm not sure about the execution there. I, I think you're onto something. Let's let's also be fair here. I mean, we we can't execute all of these things perfectly. I think if if we're casting aside one die or we have one die out of nine that's questionable, but we've got we've got eight out of nine here that are actually creating a cohesive idea. That's pretty damn good. I think that's all right. That's pretty damn good. So that that's concept number one. Now I think what I'd like to do is take these same dice and let's come up with a completely different concept based on the same throw. Okay. okay. Um, we do have one idea here that the with what time could be related to. Of course, my screen just went dark. Okay. Um, the dragonborn with Akatosh being a time god. Yeah. See that. That thought had crossed my mind, too, and that's why I was thinking it might be fun to try a second take on these same dice. Because one of the things I think of when I think of time is the dragon break, right? Mm-hmm. Where we have the break in time. Oh, yeah, where, yeah, up on by Parthenax. Right, where where time gets all fakakta, and the he goes... fracture. Yeah, he goes... The time fracture. He's back in he, time. Well, he... S- sort of. He goes forward in time, right? Because we are forward in time... And we're looking back at the ancestors who think that they've banished him, but they've sent him forward in time and dumped him on our laps and right. made him our problem, right? right? So, yes, it the character is looking back. Right. Alduin is coming forward, yeah. right? <laughs> now we're getting it. That's a mm, yeah. fun juxtaposition of yeah. perspectives. Blows my mind, Joe. <laughs> so let's take a look at these same dice in a completely different configuration. And since we're talking about it, let's make our trouble die from the last series of the linchpin of this one. Okay. So we're talking time. What time. Dragonborn. We've Alduin. Yeah, we've seen the whole Alduin thing and how that pertains to time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Are there any other are there any other references to time that we can think of? In the game. Um, the soul care is timeless. True enough. True enough. I kind of like that. Um, yeah. What else? So it's, it's really hard to get past this idea of the dragon break or that, that break in time and space right. being the key. Right, right. To something. Right? Right. <laughs> the B is a weird one, too, man. Because, like, <laughs> the only thing that says to me is alchemy, you know? Or oh, something. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a representation of alchemy. Right. Well, if we're looking for character traits, mm-hmm. alchemist. Mm hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. So are we thinking 
to use the clock as uh, Dragonborn or well, Dark Brotherhood? I don't know. We're talking about using it as a representation of a particular point in time and space, right? Sure. This is an event, I think. The clock is like an event, like an right? Event horizon. Yeah. So then the question is... What event? Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if we were to say that this event is the Dragon Break... Mm-hmm. Then how does this other stuff revolve around it? You know, I mean, you you could do something like saying that you could go kind of the same route we had before, right? Where we've got a thief, we've got a thief who is focused on gaining the treasure, but somehow they're drug into that, and the dragon break is the thing that causes the left. The, the right-hand turn or the 90-degree turn mm. in focus, mm-hmm. right? And maybe at that point, they become something completely different. In that context, what do these other four remaining dice mean? Fire, B, chaos, right. and the hand, right? Right, right, right. So... Turn events. Um, stop. I see the light. <laughs> yeah. See the light. And I become an alchemist. And I become an a alchemist. Chaotic, a chaotic alchemist. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but uh, no. Kind on a cracker. Let's let's roll these again. Kind okay, let's on a cracker. let's do a second concept. This is fun. Okay. Got a second concept here. Ooh, this is gonna be a fun one. I can tell already. Now I'm going to send him another picture, so let him All know. Right. Picture, picture coming, coming up. up. Here it comes. Again, that it's is twitter.com forward slash character wonk. Crack the wonk. I was going to add a link into the chat, but it doesn't let me put links in the chat. Really? Yeah. That's lame. I suppose if I spelled it all stupid and weird or put spaces in. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Dig, dig, dig. All right, focus, coming up. Focus. New set. Oh, someone's happy. Oh, I love it when people are happy. Okay. All right. So we've got a lock and magic. Mm-hmm. And a speech um, bubble. Oh, what's that turtle from the Discworld? Atuin or something, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Well, in this context, <laughs> in this context, I think we could interpret this turtle as a number of different things. We don't see turtles in Skyrim. We don't see them represented no. in Skyrim it's in any they're way. Holding up Tamriel on the top of four giant <laughs> elephants. <coughs> Joe just went really existential on me and blew my mind. No, it's 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 Discworld. So we <laughs> determined that the cell phone represents a shout, okay? We made that rule before we even started this. It's written on our whiteboard, and if you need proof, we can take a picture of it. Uh, we've, got, <laughs> we've got the key. Look at this now. We've got, we've got a keyhole and a key. A keyhole. We've got magic. We've got a shout. Yeah, we're deciding that, uh, yeah, that the cell phone's a shout. Yep. Did you already say that? I did. Okay, I wasn't listening. I did. We've got an eye and a footprint 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, I. <clears throat> eyes. What are your thoughts? Got a suggestion. Vampirism, perhaps. For what? The eye. The eye? You could also maybe use the footprint for vampirism, too, since they're light on their feet. You could. Uh, let's see. Or uh, eagle eye archer. Mm-hmm. Um, nomad. Right. So. Okay. I, I like this. Say we've got. Oh, here's one. Turtles are slow and defensive. Perhaps that they could play that kind of style. Maybe a shield or armor, heavy armor. Could be. It could be something having to do with the sea as well. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah. Um, so we've got this kind of sort of smiling face, right? Oh, the Eye of Magnus. That's good. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. So we, we've got a, a generally uh, uh, a sort of happy person, right? Mm-hmm. Who is a mage or an aspiring mage. We're linking into the Eye of Magnus idea. I like that. And I like also that a lot. The, the College of Winterhold uses the eye. Yes, it does, right? That, that makes perfect sense. So mm-hmm. I think these three dice make a lot of sense. These are saying things about our protagonist, which is that they're, they're generally a positive person, they're mage-focused, and we've got a location, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So now, how do these things fit? We've got the key and the keyhole. So we've got maybe keyhole representing whatever mystery it is they're trying to unlock, and the key is the thing that they're trying to pursue, Maybe Perhaps. Key to unlocking that is in a shout. Maybe. Which would be what? To me, that speaks to some kind of Dawn Guard stuff, doesn't it? A shout? Hmm. Where are those, where are, what are the occasions in Skyrim where a shout is essential to performing a task? Dragonborn it does, right? Mm-hmm. You need bend will in yes. order to destroy certain things to progress through right. an adventure, right? Yep. yep. So the shout is the key to unlocking something. And here we've got the footprint. What did we say? The, the speech. The speech bubble. Oh, okay. It could be speechcraft. It could be right. something like that. Right, right, right. Okay. I think, what if we just went this route, right? And say, maybe maybe the turtle represents, if the turtle represents the ocean, then it's, or the sea, right? It's a, it's a trek across the sea to the island of Solstheim where you are, you know, pursuing some kind of a, a quest to acquire knowledge or speech additional shouts right oh yeah well yeah i mean it's it's where you would defeat mirak if you get wound up in that yep yep so if i'm looking at this then what i'm seeing is i'm seeing a configuration like this where we've got we've got somebody who starts out in skyrim as as a mage who acquires knowledge of a shout which unlocks 
which unlocks this opportunity in Solstheim and creates some kind of a sojourn or quest to pursue additional knowledge or shouts, perhaps, that kind of a thing. Sure. That actually comes together fairly well. That actually kind of does, yeah. So another another Twitter picture coming up. Okay. Would that be a twi- twitcher? Yes, a twitcher. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of, um, I'm going to just label it as sort of a mage a mage concept, mm-hmm. right? Maybe a battle mage concept. A what? Or maybe a battle mage concept. Yeah, sure. Okay. This is pretty good. To be honest, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little bit more excited about the second setup than I am the first. Right. Um, that's probably because, I mean, I've played a lot of thief assassin type of characters. Right. It might be interesting to build a story around a magic focused character of some kind. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, this is pretty cool. So, um, are there any other ways we want to interpret this? Or do we want to, I mean, if we're satisfied, if we're pretty satisfied with the first six dice in this, we could re-roll the last three and see if we come up with something more intriguing. Mm-hmm. Although traveling across the sea to set foot on Solstheim in order to acquire more knowledge mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This makes a lot of sense. But we could roll about and see, see if something different comes up. Right. The, 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 the question I have about something like this is, well... No, that's not what I was thinking doesn't really it's not really fair because a lot of the content on Solstheim is meant for higher level character. I mean it, it's really difficult to complete as yeah. a low level character. Yeah, I've done that start before too. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's roll this once and just see what what, what kind of we comes got. Up. Okay, we're re-rolling the last set of 3. So we'll yep. get that up on uh re-rolling the last 3 Twitter here. Okay, All right. so again, Here we, we have, go, people. Here it comes. We have a scarab, a dragon or spirit ghost kind of thing. Looks more like a dragon to me, but. Yep. And yep. a house, like a homestead, perhaps, or a keep. Interpret that how you like. Yeah. So, hmm. Scarab again brings me to Solstein. Yeah, kind of does, doesn't it? kind of does. Well, what else can we think about beetles? Beetles are insects in general, you know? Right. I mean, obviously you, you think of like the ash hopper or something like right. that and the the focus on Solstheim of of using the exoskeletons of things like ash hoppers as armor or right. tools or yep. implements and different things like that, the prevalence of that. Right. Um are there other ways we can interpret the beetle? Oh, I can't think that's of true. What? Uh, if you turn this one upside down, it looks like a fire. Oh, it does. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> that could be totally it, man. I don't know. I uh, just work here. Uh, okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, people are paying attention. I love this. Awesome. Um, Maybe your house catches on fire. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) right? Your house catches on fire and you're just forced to eat bugs to survive? No. So. (laughs) What? Okay, we can bring in, we can maybe bring in uh, the Civil War. How do we do that? Well, so you're, maybe you have a house in Winterhold, or not Winterhold, but Whiterun. And it gets attacked, and White Run goes up in smoke, yeah, because it catches on fire. Yep. Now I don't think the Breeze home actually gets destroyed, but um, no. But maybe just this could represent your keep or your city or your hold, right? That gets on fire because of the Civil War, and then you need to go find beetles to make it better. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I'm with you on the idea that I mean the the beetle. The beetle calls to mind for me Solstheim. If I were to say what is this representative of in the game, I would right. say this is representative of Solstheim. Mm-hmm. Um, Solstheim's hot sometimes, mm-hmm. except when it's not. Exactly. And it depends on the side of the island you're on. Um, hmm. Very interesting. You know, if you wanted to. Oh, maybe it, un- maybe it unlocks the origins of your character. What does? So the shout helps oh. unlock your origins ah, back to Solstheim. Nice, Joe. Okay. So what shout? Hmm. Okay. So we're starting. Well, there's a shout. I believe there's a shout if you get far enough. Um, you have to go to a, you have to, oh God, what is it? You find, you have to go find a dragon priest, which I think is attached to a shout for one of the skulls. Right. So maybe you got to travel to you can find your origins, mm-hmm. which brings you to Solstheim. So in this mm. in this idea that you're talking about, what what we're what you're saying is that our mage, our mage discovers through some circumstance that his his background is not what he thought it was, maybe. And oh. that his place of origin is maybe Solstein. Here's another good point. Hmm. Um, the beetle could also represent Hammerfell and the Red Guard, as they have an order of knights called Order of the Scarab. Mm. And I do not know Red Guard lore very well, so yeah, I don't. I'm, I confess I don't either. But man, that there sounds like a, there's kind of a lot we could mine with that. They are kind of a, a desert people. They are. They are. So that would work. Okay. So, yeah, let's let's talk about that. What if we say our mage is a red guard? Mm-hmm. Our mage is a red guard relocated to Skyrim, or maybe a red guard who's been born and raised in Skyrim. Maybe he focuses on destruction magic. And he fo- Yes, he focuses on destruction magic. So we got the flame in there. And then at some point, what we have is we've got another 90-degree turn. Something happens associated with his home or what he perceives to be as his home that brings him to the realization that he or some ancestor or somebody of importance is was part of this order of the scarab or whatever it is. Okay. Right? Which leads him on a quest to 
pursue the key to what his origin was, which has to do something with pursuit of oh, well. of shouts, the dragonborn. Fortunately, kind of fortunately we have uh, someone that's fairly knowledgeable in the Red Guard lore. All right, lay it on us. So they're saying that the Scarab Knights wrestled Dwemer Automaton. So there's a, a relation between the Dwemer and the Scarab, the Knights. They did so, what? Uh, it just says they, the Scarab Knights wrestle Dwemer Automatons. Okay. So by, I interpret that as they, they're specialized. They're somehow specialized or spend time fighting them? Specialized? Well, yeah. It's not, we're not talking like naked Greco-Roman for fun kind of thing, right? I'm thinking probably not, but... Okay. We're talking about... It's always possible. No one really <laughs> knows what the Dwemer were up to. Yeah, I mean, I would not want to wrestle a Dwemer automaton. I mean, it just seems uncomfortable. It would pinch. It would pinch, yes, <laughs> in all the wrong places. Okay. okay. So opposing somehow. Mm-hmm. All right. So what what are they called? Scarab Knights? Scarab Knights. Yep, okay, Scarab, Scarab Knights. Okay, so this Scarab Knights thing. That that seems like a really cool hitch, mm-hmm. right? Something that would cause something that would cause an interesting ninety degree turn in the person's focus. So if we have a person come in and they're focused on becoming a mage, they want to be a destruction mage, and they're studying that, and they think that they understand what their life is all about. Something happens, and they under they they come to understand that. Um, they are descended from someone who was a Scarab Knight, and oh, by the way, what the hell is a Scarab Knight? Which leads us down this this path of discovery, right? Where we're, the ultimate journey is to try and find, to basically unlock, unlock the mystery of their origin. So I'm seeing key to lock to home, and our outlier is the damn shout on this one. Right. Well, and, and that could be maybe part of their origin indirectly. It could be. Sure. Sure. You could see this kind of applying anywhere along the line right, or having right. some impact, right? It would have a dotted line and not a right. solid line. Or you could even say, too, that, uh, you know, maybe the discovery is somehow associated with, I don't know, with, with a shout of some kind. I feel like this, I, what I like about this, what I like about the interpretation of the beetle as the Scarab Knight thing is that it doesn't draw us into Solstheim automatically. What it, what it does is it allows us to interpret this right. and kind of go any direction we feel we need to go to unlock mm-hmm. whatever the mystery is. Right. So the mystery could be Dawnguard, it could be Vanilla, right. it could be whatever. Yeah, unlocks right? maybe the reason why they left home. I don't know. Oh sure, yeah. I don't know. It it unlocks maybe the the mystery of how their how their how their heritage was lost to them, you know, or that that kind of sure, thing. Sure, sure. I don't know. So I I think this is a good one. I'm I'm liking this one a lot. We are right. taking a picture, people. Thank you all so much for your help on this. This is really interesting. It's a I think it's a good, uh, a good little exercise for the brain. Um, hmm. Okay, so 
Jay Wise giving us some good info on the Knights of the Scarab military force of Tatambu. Uh, they have an honor of being the official guard of the royal family of Tatambu. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And reading to everyone that's following along who can read on their own, but this is more for Stuart's benefit because he can't see my screen very well. Um, let's see what else. Before joining the order, the initiates must prove themselves in dangerous tests of skill. Usually they have to sail to the Dwemer ruins of Stros Mackay. Hmm. Okay. So that's how their, their tests go, basically. Ah. Well, there is a really fantastic Dwemer ruin, too, that you can crawl on Solstheim that has probably some of the hardest Dwemer puzzles, you know, around. Oh, is that, is that where you go with the Telvanni? You go with, yeah, the Telvanni guy, Neloth or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Neloth. And, uh... Nelothi, Neloth, something like that. Yeah, that could be, that, that could be interesting. I mean, it would bring you back to Solstheim, but... Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, the other thing, too, is um, even something like if you wanted to do vanilla, something like Avanchenzel, mm-hmm. because there is that point in Avanchenzel where you, you come to that landing where there's some supplies laid out, right, and there's a skeleton. And it, there's no explanation to what it is or why it's there or anything like that. That's the sort of thing that you could latch on to as a player to say that, you know, your your quest has allowed you to find the remains <laughs> of mm-hmm. you know the the ancestor who was right. lost to you or whatever it is. But um, there's the bones of a concept here, and I think what I like about this particular one, we've done two flavors of the first one, two flavors of the second one, mm-hmm. and to me this one's the most vivid because it's in this one that we're starting to really dig. I think deeper into the concept and we understand that this character is a mage we understand something about their attitude and that uh, it, at least to start with they're a fairly positive and outgoing person we understand that they're focused on on majory and destruction and then we see that there's this this mystery in their background that they begin right. to explore which i really like this could so, also if we want to uh, put a shout a, a t- turn on the shout as a calling Oh yeah, to something or somewhere or someone. Yeah, I like that. I I like that even better. So there's this discovery of the scarab thing, which is a calling, which starts producing this quest to find the key to unlock the mystery of their origin, their, their so origin which I think are. is well represented by the house. Right. Okay, we did it. We did it, people. I'm I'm calling it. I'm calling it here. <laughs> this I'm liking this, Joe. How are you feeling? Are you feeling okay with this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. People, this was a uh a real group effort. I certainly appreciate it. Um Jay's saying that he can't hear us very well. Is there anything we can do to boost the volume? Hmm. Or just speak up? I suppose. We'll look into it. Um, our waveforms are looking pretty good on our equipment here, so... Right. Is anybody else having this problem? Because we sound awesome to ourselves. And then some. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shitballs. 
Um, okay. I'm I'm thinking this was this was right. great. I so recorded it. I got a picture. We've got a race. We've got we've, yep. our story. We've got a race. We got a class. We've got a high level story. And we can make some determination later on as to whether or not th- this idea of the Scarab Knight is something that the character comes in with or discovers, discovers along the way. Right. Right. I, I think that's that'll be part of the deal. So I personally think it might be more interesting to be a discovery along the way. Yeah. I like that too. But we'll just kinda so have too. to see how it plays out. Yeah, well it's kind of fun to sort of have the concept in mind. And then proceed through Skyrim looking for opportunities to see where that can come into play. So, love it. Cool. All right. Thank you all. That was wonderful. And I think we're going to get ready to move on to our next segment. Uh, Before we do that, we are going to take another quick break. And we will be right back with you in about five minutes. We are back. All right. Okay, I'm uh, tweaking the volume on the mixing board a little bit, hoping that it gets a little bit better, but we shall see. Um, So Joe is uh, just typing out a message here in chat, and then we're going to get started on play theory. And uh, our focus on play theory tonight is on this idea of character retirement. How can we retire or sunset a character in a way that brings closure to the experience? In other words, rather than just saying, ah, I just don't feel like playing this character anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to be done. Um, how can we sunset the character to tie up their story and have them sort of retire in a graceful way? Now I understand I've been through this myself where, you know, maybe you get a character to level 30 or 35 or whatever, and you say, eh, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I got a new idea. I want to try this. And you put them on a shelf, right? What we're talking about is something a little bit different. When you get to the point where you feel like a character has run its course, like this character has kind of accomplished most of their goals, and this this becomes a factor, I think, for those of us who are really into role play, where I mean we're you know we're we're not we're not playing a character until we've done every freaking quest that there is to do. We're playing a character until we've completed all the quests that make the most sense for this character to complete. And at that point what you're left with is a bunch of garbage that doesn't really fit the character concept and if you were to play those those pieces it wouldn't feel right. It would feel weird, right? So this becomes an issue, I think, for for those of us who are into role play, especially when you get to high level and you've gotten through most of that content that you think is relevant for whatever your your character concept is. So um, we thought this was a timely thing for us to discuss because Joe is kind of in that position right now. He, I am. He is uh, working on on Enerith still, and she is very high level, correct? She is about halfway into level 72. That is insane to me. And to answer the question, beer is on the menu tonight. Um, This happens to be Lock and Dam by Grainbelt, a local brewery. Yes. And And Stuart is having a fine Deschutes IPA. Fresh squeezed 
IPA, so which I love. Um, hoppy? Not as much. Yes. I'm a very hoppy individual. You're hoppy. I'm hoppy. I'm happy to be here tonight talking to you about sunsetting high-level characters. Sunsetting high-level characters. So, um, yeah, we actually had this conversation uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago yeah. about, uh, <laughs> you know, I've... Okay, it's funny because I started her off as I want to be this dark character. I'm always playing this the characters that always been to good, and I just I want to play a, a dark kind of maybe a fallen paladin. Well, that blew away like almost instantly, and she became more of a mage, sword kind of centered centered character. But I've kind of come to the point where you know in her storyline where it's it's. Everything she's done has kind of weighed upon her. And then she came across um, Dagrelan, which is a, a character from Interesting NPCs. And uh, he's got some fantastic dialogue. And he would spit out these kind of scathing, backhanded compliments and refer to her as a bloodsucker and and uh, just call you know refer to the vampires as just beasts and uh, all of this stuff. And since his background is kind of in this whole death thing. If you don't, if you don't know who Dagrelon is, uh, I recommend just Googling him, checking it out because it's an interesting character. But, uh, so he's, he's basically this, um, shell of a person that's been on the, the wrong end of a spell gone bad and, um, apprentices and, and helpers that, uh, basically uh, took his trust and, and ran with it and leaving him in this kind of half state. So he's not dead, but he's not alive. And okay. so she kind of views his point of view as being kind of one of, of um, you know, knowing he, he's been there. He's doing, he's doing right. it now. He knows undeath. So, so Dagrelon's got basically a completely different take on, on mortality, yeah, and immortality yeah. specifically. So it's his take that she starts right. second guessing some okay. of her choices. Sure, and then she comes across Parthenax, and it's just kind of this big explosion, this revelation of there's so there's so much more. There's something <laughs> yeah. bigger out there. Yeah, that uh, she needs to be a part of. So now I'm starting, you know, to wind her down, and I'm kind of bringing her back to the light. It's kind of a uh, her redemption story, if you will. So, okay. Um, if you've read any of the origins, you kind of know where she started, how she got to be the dark person she is. Mm -hmm. And now she's kind of coming out of that tunnel. Right. And I, I think let's, let's frame up the conversation a little bit, because as I was talking about earlier, I mean, it's fairly easy to put a character on the shelf because you feel bored. Right. What we're talking about is a very different thing here. We're talking about a character that Joe created a year ago mm -hmm. has Over been a year. has been playing this character, this this one character for a year or yeah. more. I think my actual I think my Tundra Defense stats puts mm -hmm. me somewhere recently at four hundred and two days. That's incredible. So I'm yeah, not sure I mean if that's yeah. game days or what, you know, well, how many days that is, but it, I don't know. It has been over a year. But yeah, and let's be let's be clear. I mean, this is a character that is, you know, approaching level seventy three, mm -hmm. and 
Joe has written innumerable journal entries about and 10 chapters of a story about this character. 11. So we're, we're, yeah, 11. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. 11. 11. Joe turned it up to 11. I turned um, it to 11. So we, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about characters here that have a huge investment of time and effort. And even if you're playing a character in Skyrim and you're not writing and you're not doing all these things, if you're if you're playing a character and you're role playing up to that level, you've got some emotional investment in this character's mm-hmm. story, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Well, to put it in perspective, right? um, I've really only completed. Well, I've really only completed one quest line. Wow, and that's that's the <laughs> that's the great. main Alduin quest line is the only really? one I've really completed. Wow. I've started the thieves, I've started the assassins, I've just started the civil war. Haven't you finished? I thought you were the archmage though. Are you the Oh, archmage? you're right, I did. I finished Winterhold. Okay. So I I finished two. So we finished two primary yeah. quest lines. Two, but that's so. not Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about a power gaming experience here. So when you get to the end of a character's life like this, how do you want to see them go out? Well, they can go out in any way you want. But how do you kind of how do you engineer that? How do you how do you think about it? How do you approach that whole thing? Because it sure would be nice to move on to a brand new character, knowing that you've gotten some closure and you've completed a story about this particular character. Well, yeah, and in this particular playthrough, yeah, I, I am invested and have grown mm-hmm. uh, attached to the character, which. Out of context, sounds like a silly thing. It's a game, but um, yeah, it's it's been kind of a driving and and sort of a vehicle for creativity and uh, some of the things in and outside of the game uh, from a personal pr- perspective. And so, I can't just give her up, throw the game away, and be mm-hmm. done with it. Um, it just doesn't right. feel right. I I really need to. Bring her to yeah. a, a place where I feel like, and she lived happily ever after, kind of thing. Right. right. So, you know, my concept, as I as I talked to Stuart a little bit, was maybe you know she because she's kind of having this this epiphany, and with Parthenax and this Dagrelan character, and um, she's just trying to kind of look inward. Um, was to maybe end her game at being um, part of the monks up in High Hrothgar. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my end game that I see in my mind is she's going to do what she needs to do to kind of tie up these loose ends, and then she is going to retire into a suite in High Hrothgar alongside Parthenax. Right. And then the sun will set, and that's her story. <laughs> well, I think what I like about this is that we, we talk a lot on this podcast about how what you need to do is come up with a concept that you feel comfortable with and that you know well, and then open yourself up to the game and see where the game takes you. Right. Well, I, I think you're doing that right to the very end, because when we first started having this cons- this conversation... It was about the changes that we saw in Inaroth's attitude mm-hmm. based on conversations that she was having with Parthenax, 
which right. continued to evolve in these conversations that she began to have with Dagrelon as well. Right. Um, and so what what I think Joe is doing here, which I love, is he's just basically opening himself up to the experience of the game, and he's mm-hmm. being objective, and he's he's being open-minded, and he's saying, okay, you know, she's she's hearing these messages. She's seeing this evidence. Um, yes, she's been set in her ways for years and years, mm-hmm. and she's been on this dark path. Right. But now things are starting to come to light. On the right. one hand, she's got the wisdom of Parthenax showing her that maybe there's a different way. Right. And then she's that is juxtaposed with the harsh, critical message that she's getting from Dagrelon, right. who's who's telling her, You you are wrong. You are a monster. You are this, you are that. Basically, yeah. You know? And and those two messages combine are turning her into something else. Yeah. Yeah. Which so is pretty cool. Um, her whole thought when she, when I started her was she was going to have her revenge. She was going to rule, you know, all of Skyrim, if not Tamriel and Nern itself, but Mm -hmm. to coming around and thinking that she's not going to be a conqueror, but rather after speaking with Parthenax, she's going to become a healer. She's going to heal the land through the voice instead of conquering it through fear. Ah, I, I like that so idea. That's kind of her turnaround mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm going to become part of the world. I'm not going to destroy it for my own gain because I can now see that there's nothing there. So I in this scenario, route. she's actually learning from her conflict with Alduin as well to see here's this being Alduin mm-hmm. eminently powerful. Right. Who who couldn't get it done. Right, right. You know? And and maybe maybe that is kicking off something, you know, in the back of her mind saying Right. Maybe this maybe this isn't a viable path. Maybe there is some other path. And then she's got two characters in game who are telling her so. Right. Well which is interesting. Yeah, and she's also been such a devout follower of May Runes mm-hmm. and has kinda seen that that's just, she's a tool. A she's tool, come yeah. to realize that she has become nothing more than a tool to May Ruins. Right. And that by opening up and engaging in the ways of the voice, as the High Hrothgar monks do under the tutelage of Parthenax, it becomes not being a tool of someone else, but looking inward, exploring yourself, and basically now you're only ruled by yourself you know so you she sets out through the voice to basically conquer herself so that she can actually go out and help the world i love it it's really cool that is her complete turnaround Uh uh-huh so right now i am um i am in the midst of the civil war quest line because she mediated she mediated the the truce between the two, but now can see that the truce has broken down. The mm-hmm. the resolution has not. I mean, it, nothing's been solved. Right. So now she needs to bring an end to that. And of course, they're still part of that history. So she has sided with the Imperials. Right. 
I think it's very cool. They bring order. The, the I, I think that there was a point in Enerith's story arc where she would not have been capable of mediating a conflict. No, no, she's um, so full of hate. Exactly, and I, I think that uh, as as she evolved as a character, maybe maybe the first glimmer or the first sign that she was turning into a more introspective person, mm-hmm. a person more capable of of looking inside herself and understanding what was wrong or what the real right. problem was, was the ability to mediate this conflict, the desire to want to mediate the conflict, I would think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah, so she's kind of come to the conclusion that the only way she can really be free is to be the only person in charge of her is her. Whereas <laughs> up to this point, yeah. it, she's yeah. always been someone else's pawn. So, okay, I I love the concept. So after that, it would be the 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 vampire, the Dawn Guard quest, mm-hmm. and then I think. That will probably be it. Really? Um, I could finish out the Assassin's Guild and try to bring an end to the guild. But right now, the way she views the thieves and the assassins is that they're basically on a path of self-implosion. Let them ruin their, their own their hmm. own ways. Okay. So there's no reason for her to get involved with either one of those. So how far along are you in the Dawn Guard thing? I haven't started the Dawn Guard yet. I, but do you think she'll do that as, as part of their, her, I her think story so. arc? Because she okay. finds that the Civil War is continually tearing the land apart. So that has to be fixed in order for it to start healing. Mm-hmm. And even, and she can't, she doesn't seem that, she doesn't feel that she'll be able to effectively fight the vampires if... Skyrim is torn apart. Right. Because the people won't be able to defend themselves. This is interesting because we have talked, I think, many times about one how how some of the struggles we have with a dark character is keeping them from turning into an altruistic character. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing here. She's she's having a redemption story at the end. She's yep. finishing her she's finishing her career with a redemption story. Right. Um, but my feeling is that you feel differently about that because you've had so much time inside of her head to understand why she's doing it. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, that's probably fair to say. I mean, she's been in the dark for a very long time. Yeah, literally. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Down I mean, in Blackreach. Which reminds me, like, what happens with Blackreach? Does it, is it just abandoned then? Uh, yes. I have already um, pretty much rooted everything out of Blackreach. I've disbanded my guild members. Really? Uh, the only thing left in Blackreach are, is the mine and the miners. And mine is not miners. Um, Galaxy <laughs> Quest. <laughs> deep reference. Um, or not so deep, maybe. Not too bad. <laughs> Depends what you fancy. But, mine um, is... <clears throat> So there's the mine, and then there's the guards that come with Tundra, tundra Defense, and I'm okay. not sure how, if that mod will let me break it apart. Cool. If I can get rid of them. If God. not, then it just stays. The buildings are empty for the most part with whoever right. wants to stay there stays there and takes advantage of them. I don't care. I feel for those miners. 
I mean, it's one thing to be mining in a mine, but in a mine in Blackreach, it's like double the darkness. It's like double the threat. It's it's double the creepy. Oh, God. Well, I, I think this is very cool. And um, I, I guess our hope by addressing this topic is that, um, you know, it might bring about some interesting thoughts in your head mm-hmm. about how you might retire a character of yours and how the important thing is that the way that their story ends is meaningful to you, whether it's right. it's a redemption story or whether they go out in a blaze of glory. Um, you know, I right, right. personally, I mean, I I think there's also something very poetic about a character who, you know, takes care of the Civil War and defeats Mirak and crushes the vampires and in the end is killed by Alduin. You know, like that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you def- you try to defeat Alduin a couple of times, and that last time you die, you're just like, that's it. He's off to Sovngarde, man, because right. he, he died defending Skyrim right. from Alduin, and what happens after that is for the histories, right? right? I think um, what it comes down to is, First of all, your appetite for continuing to play the character. Obviously, if you want to continue to play the character, you will do everything you can to defeat Alduin and keep moving on, right? right? But if you're at that point where you're ready to say goodbye to the character and and you want you want to move on, uh, how interesting would is it to just rather than putting him on the shelf and never coming back again to engineering a situation, play for a few hours more and figure out how do they go out and what closes up their story. Mm-hmm. Close it up like a good novel would close it up. To me, that's sure. a super cool idea. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. the Blaze of Glory is kind of a fun take, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why not? For sure. See, now, just a little bit I do know about that is something how I, I would envision a character like Sagamore to go. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Go hard, go fast, and, yep. and and go in a blaze. I think so. I think um, Sagramore would fight with, until he could fight no more. Right. That's what he would do. That's what he would do. Yep. And he would he would go. He would probably go out trying to kill that damn, damn iron, iron dragon. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how he would go out. Uh, you know. Yeah, for sure. For I know. sure. It. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting because. Um, you know, when you've invested time in a character and you start thinking about the end of the story. Yeah, how do you um, want to end it? Yeah, it, it's enough to make a person a little bit misty-eyed, honestly, because you've been with the character for, you know, over a year. Mm-hmm. And especially in your case, where you've you've written 11 chapters plus a bunch of journals about it and created mm-hmm. mods and, you know, all of this stuff. I mean... Yeah, all um, wrapped around... Yeah. Playing this one. It's awesome. Character on a glitchy game. (laughs) (laughs) So Um, I, you know, I love that. I think it's great. Kind of reminds me of, you know, going out in a blaze. It reminds me of our old role play, our old tabletop sessions. I had a high level, and I know know we've talked about this before, but Uh I had a high level wizard and he had a high level monk and and, uh, (laughs) they, they came to odds and... Yeah. The monk got the first blow and took mine out, and I'm like, you know what? That's perfect. 
I don't recall ever. That is the end of that character. Ever in a tabletop RPG game fighting another character in the party. And nope. for some reason, it we got to this point mm-hmm. where his character and my character, we knew that there was a conflict there that was kind of yep. unspoken. We knew it was happening. And I just decided I'm going to... Well, yeah, it came about because I became a threat. Yeah, yes, exactly. That That's really what it was. Yep. And, he, and... Joe, being the great role player that he is was threatening my character in game. <laughs> um, Maybe a little. And it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily threatening my character with bodily harm. It was it was threatening it was threatening some aspect mm-hmm. of my character's belief right. system. Right. And because that's the only real right. threat of any con- concern. Exactly. Exactly. And it was kind of poetic because we just got into this pitch battle and yeah. fought fought each other and when it was all over uh joe's mage was dead and my character was alive by a thread (laughs) and uh his character was gone and i retired my character never to play him again after that (laughs) and it was crazy but it worked and nobody (laughs) there was no sour grapes at least uh no no because yeah that was a that was a perfect way because that's how he should have gone out (laughs) It was crazy, but it was great. So I think um, this is a great conversation. I mean, how how you retire a character is is you know different for everybody. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I've got some characters where I can imagine very clearly what they would look like in their old age and what they would do. Um, I've got others who I cannot imagine what they would look like in old age, and t- that speaks to me. And what that says to me is that this is a character who is not intended for old age. This is a character who is going to go out, and mm-hmm. when they go out, they're going to go out big, and it's going to be right. it's going to be brassy, and it's going to be crazy. Um, right. But that's the way that they should go. So, There's a couple interesting mm-hmm. uh, comments about uh, um, being defeated by Alduin <clears throat> is that uh, if you go to Salvengard. You know, kind of be in a an eternal pitched battle. True. Uh, another one would be uh, uh, from another here is thinking about the aftermath of the Dragonborn failing. You know, how does that shape the world? Mm-hmm. Which would bring up another interesting potential for role play on another character. Absolutely, would <laughs> follow up character to a failed Dragonborn. Sure, absolutely. I love both of those concepts. I like the the idea of the dragonborn eternally locked in combat with Alduin yeah. and Sovngarde. Yeah, is kind of a cool concept. And you know the the idea too of well, what if, what would happen if Alduin won? You know. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess mechanically the game doesn't. I don't know if it really allows for that, but. No, it it doesn't. But for those of us who have creative brains, it doesn't matter. Nope. Right? You maybe you play through a a Skyrim experience with this first character that is all about you know verdant, beautiful Skyrim, and <laughs> character number two, you know, you're you maybe you're using things like uh, I don't know some of these overhauls that make Skyrim sort of um, dark and scary. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the, this is the post dragonborn right. 
Well, yeah. Skyrim experience. You you actually don't even need uh, to go that far into an overhaul or an E&B if you're using the, um, what is that one that you can... Imaginator. Imaginator. Sure. Yeah. You can adjust all the saturations. Yeah. Dial that saturation down. So it's a lot more bleak Mm -hmm. without having to change anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... Anyway, there, there's lots of different ways that you could play that, but um, it, it's wonderful regardless of how you do it. So we thought this would be a great conversation to have to just talk about what happens with our high-level characters because not all of us get there. Um, I've made it to level 65. I've got a character at level 65 who isn't retired. I put him on a shelf because I was bored, <laughs> and I regret it. I regret oh, it because... And that happens too, but... You know, I think that... Uh, there would have been an opportunity for that for that guy to really, I think, go out in kind of a supernova type of way, <laughs> which would have been fun. But anyway, so, hey, thank you all for contributing to the conversation there. I mm-hmm. think what we've got next uh, is, hey, this is our opportunity to start doing some listener mail and Q&A, right? You got it. All right. So... Uh, As we are wont to do, we're going to take a very short break uh, just so that we can get our act together here. Just a couple of minutes, and we will be back with you very shortly. (laughs) Okay, we're coming back. We're coming back. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Stu King on the mixing board. Yeah. That was really bad. <laughs> no, I thought that was excellent. You lie. I do. I lie all the time. Just to me. Yes. So here we go. It is mail time. Questions from the website. What do we got, Joe? Okay. We're going to start out with TJ Nuts from Laurel somewhere or another. Okay. There's there's a mark after it, but I'm not sure where that is. We will just go with it. We'll just go with it because that's what we do. We just go with things. All right. So this is a kind of a character idea. And uh, they just kind of want some feedback on on kind of their concept. Um, All right. Tobias the Imperial. So basically what I liked about this particular thing was uh, this is a playthrough of a character who is a descendant from characters they've played in previous games. Uh, That Mm -hmm. is Morrowind and Oblivion. They don't specifically say, but Elder Scrolls games. So okay, um, gotcha. That's kind of what I liked about this is it's it's kind of a progression uh, of family ties, if you will. Great. So this whole this whole idea of of really tracing roots, you know, coming back to your roots, and you know, was all this stuff true that you know I, I. I've heard my ancestors do, you know, 
They're the leader of the Dark Brotherhood and the Fighters Guild and the Gray <laughs> yeah. Fox. And, yeah. They've you know, done every damn thing there is to nine do. And yeah. I don't believe it. How can that be true? So this this is a character <laughs> who's kind of bent on, you know, family origins. Okay. Um, so, you know, the family has had a hero of mythic proportion at the end of every area. <laughs> you know, one to hail in the new era I and one to it. exit. So I, love um, it. I think it's great. I like it a lot. Well, we, we've talked around this issue a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, in a, in a, in a previous podcast, Eric with an A was talking about how he uh, was going to have a character who was the son of a previous character that he had played. Right. I think what we're talking about here with Tobias is kind of taking that to the nth level, right? right we're yeah. talking about who, what characters did I play in previous games, right? And how do those impact the character I'm playing now in Skyrim? Yeah, right. and I mean he's, he's gone through a whole genealogy here with uh, <laughs> half brothers and sisters, and right. um, basically this character's <laughs> father was happy to get it on with anyone. <laughs> Well, seriously, a half Khajiit <laughs> and a half Argonian? Okay. I got you. <laughs> so I got you. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> there's lots of love to go around. Exactly. Um, hey, but you know. I, I really like it. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, send us more about uh, how this play can, continues. I, and, I and, think it's ama- I, I think it's a great concept. And kind of I some of the, the stuff concept. that you, uh, you encounter along your ways. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? No, I'm just you know, it's it's about it's about the character's origin and the people that yeah. you do along the way, right? So my question is, if you're half Argonian, are you like just fertilizing the egg, or how does that work? Yeah, I always wondered that. Do Argonians hatch from eggs? I mean, they're lizards, but I don't. Know. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good question. <laughs> For another time. Yeah, I think uh, there's some uh, there's some biological things that need to be worked out there, but I think that's secondary. Yeah, you know, that's, that's for the lovers' lab to figure out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so speaking of Eric with an A, next. Oh, it's Eric with an A. Eric with an A. Um... <laughs> Sorry, Eric. That's just how we refer to you, and that's the way it's going to be. There's nothing you can do about it. It's done now. <laughs> It's out there. It's yeah, too late. It's Can't too take late. it back. Too late. So Eric is looking at uh, creating a kind of an intelligence spy assassin type of character. Okay. Got it. And uh, <clears throat> some of the things that they're, they're looking for is, um, what do we look for? Mods? Mod suggestions, maybe? Mod recommendations for a character that is kind of a spy assassin type of thing? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd appreciate help on uh, some insight. Okay. On what we can do here. Well, we so. can do that. I think the very first thing you need to do is start out with the environment. Now, I'm going to also say that... Uh, what? Uh, Eric has expressed some trouble explaining uh, some of the dragons, but... Sorry, Eric, I'm not quite sure what if what you mean on that is if there's more detail to be added on that one so okay um, i don't mean to overlook uh, part of your submission here but uh, i think we're just going to kind of go into some let's let's just gloss over it because i'm sure eric won't mind if we just gloss over aspects of his his, of his (laughs) 
Who wouldn't? <laughs> it's email. <laughs> okay. Sorry, let, Eric, with let, an A. Let's talk about mods. And when I'm thinking about creating a character, the first thing that I think about when I'm when I'm working on a concept is what can I put in place in the environment that will make the environment a playground for this type of character? And when I'm thinking about a character who's um, sort of a spy, a covert type of person, I'm thinking about things like hidden hideouts. I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sewers of Skyrim, you know, secret ways in and out of the city. I'm thinking about mods that impact the economic system um, so that you can get yourself allied with merchants, mm-hmm. um, that you can infiltrate other factions, things like that. So right. if we were talking about that kind of stuff, I'm thinking sewers. Yep. I'm thinking the hidden hideouts, both, um, you know, kind of wilderness and also the city version of that, which creates uh, a few secret paths into the various cities in Skyrim, as well as whatever is provided by sewers, which is great. Those two work great together, mm-hmm. in my experience anyway. Sure. Um, I'm also thinking about things like um, there. there is a mod called Master of Disguise. This can be achieved to some degree uh, using Perkis, where you can, uh, if you have certain pieces of equipment from different factions, that you can disguise yourself and infiltrate a faction. So that would be a way for you as a spy to have alternatives, walk through the front door or sneak in through the sewer Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it is. Um, So I think, you know, those would be great start. Oh, I agree. For sure. I really like the sewer mod. That is a really well done mod. Absolutely. Especially for a thief spy Mm -hmm. type of character. Yeah, you could play that a number of ways. Yep. And they're in... A lot of the cities. I don't remember specifically which ones mm-hmm. right now, but there mm-hmm. are a lot of them. Most of them. Yep. Yep. And then we can talk about things like equipment. So mm-hmm. stuff like thieves tools. Yep. Now, some of the thieves tool stuff is included in Perkis. So, you know, if you're using Perkis, you don't have to get these mods individually. If you're not using Perkis, you can get thieves tools, which allows you to create it it allows you to create equipment equipment so that you can do things like arrows with spell effects uh rope arrows which allow you to climb walls and things like that which is super cool as as a kind of a spy character things like nature of the beast and when i think of nature of the beast specifically i'm thinking about some of the uh dwemer tools that are included in nature of the beast have things like you know, smoke and fragmentation grenades and poison grenades and all kinds of little tools that would allow you to do things like cover your escape or create distractions or things like that. Um, So think about that first. Um, Environment followed by tools. And I think my my view is that a character like this is probably going to not settle on a particular set of armor. You're probably going to have multiple sets of clothing that you carry with you for different types of missions. 
So I'm not going to make a specific recommendation on anything having to do with armor, but I do like the I, some of these equipment mods like Thieves Tools and even scoped bows, right, mm-hmm. where you can you can have kind of a sniper bow that you have for very specific kinds of jobs. And then let's not forget also about things like Apocalypse Spell Package where you can select particular spells that are designed to help you improve your endurance or escape through things like Featherfall or do assassinations through Ghost Walk. Um, There are so many great options available through stuff like you know, cool. apocalypse spell package. So that's what I would recommend is looking into that stuff. I would start with environment, and then second, I would go to equipment, and then third, I would think about things like spell effects, and then things like um, armor and weapons. A lot of that stuff is sort of um, cosmetic, or it's based on whatever is the right equipment for the job that you're doing at the time. So I'd get yourself a nice selection of those kinds of items. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. my thought. Yeah. Love the concept. Love it. What do we got next, dude? <sighs> what do we have next? We have... Flip, flip, flip. We have paper next. We have paper. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, as a point of interest, it was noted, too, that... Um, uh, masquerade. Yep, masquerade master of disguise is no longer on the Nexus. That was Mo, one of Mo Fakin's mods. Oh yeah, and bummer. All, all his mods are now gone. So Bad, poor guy. Uh, for one reason or another, I've I've heard and read several different varying reasons. So yeah. I'm not even going to speculate. Okay, but, but some of that. Yeah, the Percus Maximus does provide the masquerade or the master right. of disguise type of functionality. Right. It, you know, so, so it's still you know, there's other ways to do it from so, that yeah. with that perspective. So, okay, what we have now is from Amornar, A M O R N A R, and they're asking, do we have any tips for role playing in Argonian? The culture, language, personalities, and mindset are alien and unlike anything man or mer races have or are. And I agree because uh, I do not personally know a lot about them and uh, am kind of interested as, uh, if I've mentioned before, I'm actually considering playing an Argonian. So uh, I'll be on that that. Uh, Right, uh, that bandwagon that train looking for info. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that we've got a ton of very specific the suggestions. research train. Yeah, we don't have a a ton of very specific suggestions here, but I think that we could certainly come up with some ideas that a person could pursue to help get in the mindset, right? To get in that headspace a little bit, maybe. Right. Um, probably the Elder Scrolls Wikia. Is going to be a great place to start researching some yep. of uh, Black Marsh and the yep. Anzalil and all of those uh, Argonian yep. things. <laughs> I would definitely start with with lore and uh, kind of um, culture and society type of information. Right. Start there. And I think your research into Argonian culture 
is probably going to spin off a bunch of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm looking for is uh, yeah. when I, when I finally get there. Um, well, one, this, this review that we've got coming up uh, mm-hmm. for Tamriel is going to be insightful uh, yep, f- for, for me sure. personally, um, at least to get the juices flowing on kind of a, what are these, these things all about this yep. race? Cause I just, I like you, I don't know, but they're kind of intriguing to an extent. Yeah. That whole water breathing thing is really appealing. Yeah, absolutely. There are some mods out there that are specifically designed for Argonians. There is um, stuff like Dark Water Lair, which is a player home that is only accessible by going underwater, you know? Oh, um, sure. Stuff like that, which which would give you, I think, not only would it give you a very unique player home, but I think it would, each and every time you enter it, you can't escape the fact that you're doing something that no one else can do, which is to breathe underwater and to swim, right. and to, you know, do these things that only an Argonian can do, which which I think is a perfect way to kind of get you in that mindset, maybe. Well, yeah, it's a good it's a good start, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, we've got another good suggestion here too from JY, and mm. uh, they're saying good place to start is the way that they look at time um, that they don't believe there's a past or a future that's just really the present mm-hmm. which is okay. something i guess i didn't know so yeah um there wouldn't be kind of that historical baggage i guess not if you're if you're only living for the now certainly worth exploring certainly well, that's a interesting t- uh interesting interesting spin i agree yeah i mean i obviously i don't have a ton of experience playing argonian so um, I would be in exactly the same position you are. I'm only, I, I can only say where I would start. And I would start on the wiki, and I would devour as much lore and, and cultural type of information as you can about Argonians as a people, um, as a culture, as individuals, um, their history. And then from there, you know, see what, what's in there that you can latch on to and that you can use, and then start exploring the nexus for mods that might fit a playthrough like that. Again, as we did with Eric, I would say if you're playing an Argonian, get yourself familiar mm-hmm. and then start looking at things that, you know, how can I create the ideal playground mm-hmm. for an Argonian? And there's know? another another so. suggestion here, and it was something actually I'd considered uh, mentioning and just hadn't, mm-hmm. is uh, the Tamra Vault is like a four-part Argonian lore article. There you go. So that's another great yeah. resource. And innumerable builds for Argonians as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely check some of those out because builds, the build content that's on the vault is not just great for mapping out how you would create and play a character. There's all kinds of great, interesting lore nuggets embedded into all of those things. Almost all uh, of them have yeah, something they're just, like that. Yep. Yeah, I mean... All of the best ones on Tamriel Vault are based on some kind of lore. Um, mm. So definitely check those out. See if there's one that resonates with you. If there isn't, do your own thing, but uh, take whatever you can glean from that information and yeah. use it. Yeah, and yeah. if there's gaps and if there's holes, use them as a, as a place to fill in your own story. Correct. That's what we suggest, such as it is. <laughs> 
All right. All right. And our last one comes from Gregory from Brazil. And we do have a, at least one Brazilian in our chat. Tonight. Well, welcome, Gregory. So Gregory um, was commenting on the Epicosity Project. Uh-oh. Um, so they they were really inspired by that, and mm-hmm. they've created characters for their own Epicosity Project. Wonderful. But they're having troubles. Oh, um no bringing in a couple of the quest lines, specifically the companion, the dark brotherhood and the mage quests. Okay. So they have, uh, their mage characters arriving by Dawn star on ship. The assassin Mm. is an escaped prisoner and the warrior started in a camp next to Riverwood. So I am assuming that the warrior is maybe going to try to bring into the mage. So, Hmm. So what's what exactly is the is the problem then? Well, I guess I'm not. Sounds pretty awesome to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Um, I think the key with with the Epicosity Project is, um, the idea is that you want to craft a story for each of the primary quest lines. So who's going to be your archmage and what is their story? Right. And this can be anybody that you want. Um, You don't have to adhere to any sort of, uh, any, any sort of ideas around the optimum race to play for a mage. Right. I mean, I, I think the important thing is what's the story. What's the story, okay? Right. And where epicosity is concerned, the most important thing about epicosity is what is the story that drives all the characters together at the end? That is more important than what their individual stories are because their individual stories can be anything. Right. Right? And I think I think maybe that's kind of, if I read between the lines a little bit, the crux to the problem right. they're having is... They're, they're, it's, it sounds like okay. Gregory's having trouble bringing those three groups into this overarching story sure. of the Epicosity project got they've got going. That's yeah. that's kind of how I read it. Now okay, that I look at it again. So the the key to making um, Epicosity work is that you need to come up with some kind of a threat that is larger than anything presented in the vanilla game. So it is a threat that is bigger. Than Alduin, it is, it is bigger than Mirak. All right. Mm-hmm. So this this is the part where you have to invent something, and um, I have invented something that is a larger, overarching conflict that draws all these other smaller conflicts together mm-hmm. into one cohesive story, if you will. And I'm not going to tell you what that is because it's the crux of what Five Fables is all about. Right. And that would be a massive spoiler. But um, that's what you need to do. And so if I were you, what I would do is focus on that first. Think about what is a conflict that is so large that it could include in its scope... The Alduin conflict, the Mirak conflict, 
uh, that all this stuff, you know, going on with the right. vampires and things like that, all of that could be spawned from this larger thing. Right. And then I think all of those smaller storylines around who your archmage is, um, who your harbinger is, all that stuff will start to snap into place. Right. So, and it sounds like you have yeah. the individual stories yeah. uh, up and alive, and and the yep. ideas running. So, yep. yeah, think about the macro conflict right now, and that's that's what you gotta that's what you gotta figure out. And this again, this is a conflict that's going on. This is a a narrative that's happening in your head, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm producing Five Fables, I have the luxury of presenting this narrative to everybody who's watching as if it were a real thing right. because I'm creating it. I'm writing it and I'm producing it and I'm I'm putting together all the pieces that make it a reality. For you as, as a player, as a role player who's engaging in epicosity, what you need to do is come up with this conflict in your head. And this has to be the canon that you use right. to piece all those smaller things together. Individual threads. Right. And what I would make sure that you do is make sure that you set aside one or two of these major conflicts that are in the game. Make sure you set those aside for your epicosity team to do together Mm. or in smaller groups, right? There has to be some end game. Right. Um, and maybe that end game is the Alduin conflict. Maybe the end game is, you know, defeating the vampires. I don't know. Whatever it is you decide. But the idea is to take the stuff that's that's laid out for you in the vanilla quest line and, and really use those as the building blocks to create the team and then have the team pursue those larger engagements, which are vampires, right. Mirak, Alduin, right? Civil War. Sure. That kind of thing. So that's where that, that's where we're coming at it, right? So we've got um, epicosity maybe consists of the listener, who is the master assassin. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, the thieves guild master, who is the master thief. We've got the harbinger, mm-hmm. who is you know leader of the companions and the greatest warrior. And we've got the archmage, who is this awesome mage, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the four of them. Or maybe you go like I did and create a fifth, which is the dragonborn that ties them all together. You've right. got a team of five, and boom, now you're attacking as a team. Uh, Mirak, you're pursuing as a team. Alduin, you're pursuing as a team. Vampires. Right, right. That kind of thing. So Weaving into the story that yep. all these characters know that that's much larger and more more difficult that they can't do it on their own and exactly you know how and i i I can't really tell you how they come together because it's it's Mm -hmm. your story yeah yeah but these are these are kind of the the thoughts and concepts and ideas that you can maybe start with and and hopefully they'll drive some kind of uh yep of of brainstorm and idea and and you'll Mm -hmm. go that's it yeah i mean from the very beginning, Couch Warrior TV and Character Crusade podcast have been all about creating this larger narrative and talking about this concept of how do we tie all of these disparate quest lines together into something that feels cohesive and feels like um, feels like a focused thing, right? 
So I think what you really need to do is tackle that larger quest, that thing in your head that ties everything together. And once you have that, everything will snap right in. And pay attention to some of the little small minor details going yeah. on in the game, and they Absolutely. might inspire you to uh, come up with this idea <laughs> that you yeah. haven't thought of. Without a doubt. Whether it's just a fleeting passing by NPC yep. quote or something you see on the road. You never know. You never know. Dead horses. Dead horses, man. Dead horses. <laughs> All right. Is that it then? That's it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to our live Q&A. And at this point, we're going to open it up in the chat lines for anybody who has any questions. Please shoot, and we will do our best to answer them as best we can at this point. And I would say um, nothing is off the table. If it is off the table, we'll Whoa. just refuse to answer, right? <laughs> I think that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so uh, feel free to send in your questions via the chat, and uh, we will address them as best we can. I wish I had a bag of pretzels right now, although that would dry me out even more. Hmm. Yes, it would. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll settle for water. Okay. How's the next episode of Five Fables coming along? Well. <laughs> on hold for the moment until... Uh... Yes, Five Fables is currently on hold, as I had... Uh, Mentioned in my um, channel updates. Yeah, Jay, Jay came in a little bit late, so. That's fine. That's okay, Jay. Um, I, I've put five fables on hold, and the reason I've put it on hold is because I'm looking at speeding up production of that, and um, I'm experimenting right now in Rune Runner with the idea of, of role-playing 100% of my game time. And if I feel like Rune Runner is working out well because I've never done a hundred percent role play before, then I'm going to apply that concept to Five Fables, and Five Fables is going to move forward on one hundred percent role play, Robart. So, it is on hold, but is it is not dead, and it will continue. It just will continue contingent on on the outcome of Rune Runner. Okay, do you know a lot about the Bosmer culture with your continuing Rune Runner? I know a little bit. You know, there, there, there's a lot to know about um, Bosmer culture. I love Bosmer culture. Um, yeah, it's got some interesting oh, kinks to it. Yeah, I've, I've read everything that I can about it, and um, I've, I've engaged in a lot of discussions on Tamriel Vault specifically about Bosmer. And when you watch Rune Runner, the way that I play Vander is a reflection of some of the things that I've learned. Sure. He's very high energy. He's very um, curious about the world. He um, tends to be mischievous. He tends to be um, in other people's business, not because he's nosy, but because he just doesn't know better. Um, that's kind of how he is. And mm -hmm. I think in some ways that's a reflection of Bosmer culture. And the only thing he is not is good with a bow. He is not good with a bow. And that was, interestingly enough, that was the twist that I decided to add with Rune Runner is that Vander is horrible with a bow. And the fact that he is not good with a bow is one of the things that had made him a little bit of an odd duck. 
or mm-hmm. or or something of a, of an outcast in his own culture. Sure, but yeah. Okay, uh, where did you come up with the idea of Rune Runner? Um, I came up with the concept um, a while back. Um, I had, for experimental purposes, I had created a mage, and I was I was attempting to try and play a pure mage, and. I became really sort of fascinated with runes and the ways that runes could be used. And at the time, I was just using runes in the context of Percus Maximus. Mm-hmm. But what I found is being able to, you know, being able to cast multiple runes at a time and cast them on any surface I wanted to and lay them down like landmines in a combat situation was extremely fun and, and effective. I, and effective, yeah. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to create a character who has an affinity for languages and an affinity for for the things that would make runes intriguing and interesting and tie that into some kind of a character? And one of the things that I thought about was, you know, when I was using runes with this mage, I was always running and I was always laying them down. I was always drawing my enemies into a situation where they couldn't avoid my landmines. Mm. And I thought, boy, that would be a perfect scenario for a character who was always running, which... Yeah, would. Courier. Why not a courier? Sure, sure. And um, I bucked the system by selecting a race that was not magically inclined, but I chose Bosmer as the race for Vander because it fit my role play desires. So Vander is is a mix between what I what I desired as a role player and what I desired is is more of a a tactics focused Skyrim player. So it was a balancing act. Because it probably would have made a lot more sense for me to do a Red Guard who had stamina buffs or to do a Dunmer <laughs> right, who right. had destruction buffs, that kind of thing. Right. Okay, uh, let's see. Hawkeye was wondering if he could have an Aranus question. Sure. And I believe, if I'm following the thread here, sorry guys, um, <laughs> it's had something to do about the Covenant. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Covenant. What was it? <laughs> That's the basic question. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's fun, kind of funny because that, because that whole story um, is over, it's not it's not a spoiler to talk about the covenant. So, um, what the covenant was was an arrangement between multiple gods, Adra. So we had Adra, who were trying to. In, in, if if you've okay, if you've read anything in lore about the the difficult position that the Adra are in as, a, as compared to the Daedra. The Adra don't have any direct influence in the world. Um, they have worshipers and stuff, but they can't impact the world the same way that the Daedra can. Mm-hmm. So they're in this constant conflict with the Daedra, the Daedra who are trying to manipulate people, and they're, they're able to control people, and they're able to manifest themselves physically in the world and all this kind of stuff. Well, we've got the Adra who um, don't have that ability. So what the covenant, the concept of the covenant was, was that um, 
several Adra got together and basically said, we need to put an agent in the world to represent us who can do something. Um, but because of our limited influence, we've, we've each got the ability to basically impart one thing on this individual, and that's it. And then our influence is done, and we have to release this agent in the world and hope that our influence, our initial influence, is enough that, that this person, this being, will be able to do what needs to be done to stem the tide of, of these evil things that are happening in the world. So the idea of the covenant, if you remember uh, from the episodes, was um, multiple gods, but each god gets one swing of the hammer. And uh, and the final the final representative of the covenant, this avatar, is going to represent whatever the outcome is of that. And that there was one God who was going to help steer the covenant in the right direction and make course corrections and stuff like that. So the concept was that 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 fleet's destiny was to be forged by multiple gods but guided by a single one. And that single god was um, to be Debella. Uh, so we, we saw in, in later episodes where Palandri had this encounter with a defiled... Um, with a defiled... Um, oh, yeah, with the altar. Defiled altar... Of Debella. Of Debella. Right. And upon that altar was a dagger that was an exact match for the dagger that Fleet had a preference for, which mm-hmm. was the blade of Debella. Mm-hmm. And the blade of Debella, if you remember, was a was a a wicked looking dagger that featured a handle that looked like the image of Debella. Mm-hmm. And so the the reveal was to be that um, Debella was the one who was kind of steering Fleet along his way, making these course corrections and so forth. Right. Cool. So, yep. Deep. Deep, deep. Deep. Okay. I can't believe I remembered that shit. <laughs> I, I remember it now that you're talking about it because we've, we've had a lot of conversations. God, did we have a lot of conversations. Uh, we still do. Yeah, we still Just do. about different things now. So, okay. Yeah. Um, did you make the house from Rune Runner yourself or is it a pre-existing mod? That is a pre-existing mod made by Eleonora, and it is an update of that mod. So if you are currently using Moonwatch, you're going to want to go out and re-download it because it's it's Moonwatch Manor Reborn, I believe, and she went back and redid a whole bunch of stuff. Do so. you want to talk about any of that later on too? What? With uh, the, 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 the message you, you'd sent me. Oh, uh I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. All right. We'll see. Ignore but... the man behind the screen. <laughs> um, yeah. Hooray so, live streaming. It's Moonwatch Manor, the recent version of it. So if you go get it, if you want it. I didn't modify anything in there. I did add my own letters. So the stuff that appears on the bed, the blade, the map, and the letter, those are all things I created and added myself. Cool. Uh, let's see. What now would you suggest for a melee-only character? He'll be a son of a Breton merchant as we... Merchant as we as a fledgling black... As well, excuse me. Oh, oh yeah, okay. as well as a fledgling blacksmith new to Skyrim. 
What would I suggest for melee only? A melee only character. Uh, geez. Uh, the sky's the limit, dude. Um, I don't know. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. What would you suggest for melee? Oh, he made a correction. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. James. Jammin H. Let's, let's get the correction oh. and then. What mods? Not now. I, what mods yeah. would you suggest? What? Okay, that makes that makes. <laughs> okay, I think the answer initially could still be correct. Okay, the sky's okay. the limit. <laughs> well, yeah, the okay. sky's the limit. What mods would you suggest for a melee oh, character? So many mods. Son of a Breton merchant. Son of a Breton. And a fledgling blacksmith new okay. to Skyrim. Okay, so, um, definitely. Definitely immersive armors and immersive weapons. Mm. Standard. Agreed. Standard. That that's, should just be like boilerplate stuff. Then on top of that, I think as you go up levels in smithing, particularly when you get to the point where you can smith ebony gear, for example, then I think getting into stuff like um, Gosu's weapon package and the ultimate assortment those two mods, I a couple of my favorite, they feature all the time in my stuff. Um, it's unfortunate that Gosu has stopped making mods because his mods were fantastic. Some of the most original and interesting weapons I've ever seen. So, very good. Um, I, I think honorable mention would definitely go to the Lord of the Rings weapon package. I'm using... Um, mm-hmm. I'm using the... Sting short sword from Lord of the Rings weapon package for Rune Runner. Mm, so when we okay. see all those Rune Runner short blades, that is a mod I made myself by extracting the Sting short sword from Lotor weapon package and just creating my own mod because I didn't want to load all the weapons. I just wanted to load that one. I wanted to use the one. So I made a mod myself that just included the one short sword. But Lotor is great because it's got all those great Lord of the Rings beautiful swords mm-hmm. and, it, and it creates a, a really kind of cool moon forge up on Throat of the World that you can go to create these things. And, right. and you know, you could build a whole adventure, you know, character mm-hmm. concept around that. Yep. But those are awesome. Um, but the problem is that there's a whole ton of of really amazing mods out there that are just one weapon or two weapons, right? So somewhat historically accurate weapons is a great mod. It's got all these kind of Viking type of weapons. So if you take a look at uh, Robard and the hand axe that he uses, that beautiful hand axe, that, that comes from somewhat historically accurate weapons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That is that is a good one. It, which has some wonderful daggers in it and swords as well. Beautiful pieces. Um, and then there's also Jasus. Jasus, beautiful, beautiful weapons. And if you dig deep enough, you can also find a patch for the left-hand version of those. So if you want to dual wield, you can dual, dual wield those. Cool. So, yeah, that would be my recommendation. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Um, Did we hit the end? Yeah, kind of slowed slowed down. So I think that's probably all right, though. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, you know, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to our first live stream. This was incredibly fun. 
It was. It, it, was. <laughs> it really, after a year, after more than a year of doing this podcast, um, it, it, you know, this, this podcast has been fun from, from the first episode we've done. But this live streaming experience has been completely different for us. And I, we, we really appreciate you guys coming here, giving us your feedback, participating. It's amazing. The community is amazing. Um, and we're so grateful to be a part of it. So thank you guys all for, for joining us uh, this evening. We will be back in a couple of weeks with an interview from Voices from the Dark. Now, we do not know whether or not we're going to be live streaming that episode. It depends on some technical issues. Now, we got to figure that stuff out. Um, it's possible that if we do live stream it, that Voices from the Dark will be joining us audio only. Um, we just have to be cognizant of performance versus features, right? So if we could have him join us video as well as audio... We will do that, but uh, there's no guarantees. But um, the live streaming thing is going to be part of what we do going forward. Okay, so. we got a couple that snuck in under the wire here. What? So well, we do have a 30 second delay. We, so. Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, lay them on me. I'm okay. ready. This ready? Um, this one, I'm just going to mention. Uh, I don't know if we really want to try to address it because it's it's just kind of a huge topic on its own. All right. But I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, what would you suggest to a player with a thousand plus hours vanilla, just something to keep the game fresh? Uh, and staying vanilla, you mean? That it's not. It's it doesn't say for certain which way or the other. The but. best way to keep this game fresh is to come up with some kind of funky, interesting character concept and play it to the hilt. And if it's not simply. V- purely vanilla mod 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 yeah if it's not purely vanilla mod but you know find a interesting mod that is can serve as the centerpiece for your play yep right there you go ethan and our our last one i think will field and you touched a little bit on it i believe is not the only center and they are wondering oh no i think i gotta scroll up a little not the only sinner. I love you too. Just that that's just it's the thing between us. It's a private thing. You two are a thing. So, yeah, we um, I love you. So where did you come up with the personality of Rune Runner? A mixture of what you read? But was there something more? <laughs> uh yeah. Rune Runner is primarily me. So um I knew that as, as an elf, I, I needed to come up with a distinctive voice, so I just pinch off my throat a little bit to come up with uh, a voice that's a little bit higher than I would normally speak. Um, but the the concept behind Rune Runner is is based quite a bit on who I am as a person. So, <laughs> uh, you know... I'm ADHD, and I don't make any bones about it. Um, I don't try to hide it from anybody. So, you know, when I'm going around saying, hey, this would be a great place for us to upgrade the gear, and, you know, uh, oh, gosh, I wonder, you know, how long has he been here? He said he's been here for quite a while, but I don't know how, oh, hey, look at all the short blades. That is kind of how I am. I go from one shiny object to the next shiny object. So I felt 
I think part of the reason why I love Vander as a character so much is I feel like he's an interesting reflection of myself in some ways, which makes him lots of fun to play and, and natural for me to play. So that's really it, basically. Um, you know, and I just figured, you know, a short, mousy, little quick elf needed to think fast and talk fast and all that stuff. So I'm very excited about this character. Um, I wish that my machine wasn't on the fritz right now because there would already be hours and hours of yeah, probably uploaded. I I had I had time <laughs> set aside to make episodes, and this whole thing happened right at that moment where I was ready to just bang on the content. So, you know, we're waiting a couple of weeks, but I'm hoping that uh, you know it comes back better than it was when it left. <laughs> and uh, we will get rolling because <laughs> like I'm very excited about Vander. I love the concept. So yeah, he's fun. You know, yeah, he he is a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun to play, and I love um, all the comments I've gotten from him. And incidentally, uh, over the weekend, we got a huge, huge boost. Very in yeah, traffic. Yeah. Not, I mean, hands down, major boost in traffic, and all of that. All of that activity came from Rune Runner. It was people watching Rune Runner, which to me says that this is the right thing to be doing now, and I'm very excited about it. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That is that. That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. We are so grateful that you... um, Joined us live tonight. Yeah. And, uh, you we know. Should, we should do this again. Uh, we're going to do it again. There's no doubt about that. And with your help, hopefully, we will do it with multiple camera yeah. angles next time. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe Matt can come and play. Yeah, Matt will come and play next time, too. And we'll have, we'll have three bodies crammed around this tiny little <laughs> table. That'll, that'll be pleasant. Um, so we've got our story dice to start building our character. Yes. Yes. And uh, something to look forward to in in the future. Yep. Future episodes, we will be crafting this brand new character based on tonight's story dice throw. And uh, from that point, we'll be doing a series of three plays based on this character in which uh, each one of us will take a turn playing this character. We're still working on the concept. But I think this will be a lot of fun and a lot and a pretty interesting experience. So thank you all again for taking the time to spend with us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Uh, your support and your encouragement is the lifeblood of this podcast. So, you know, whether you're contributing on Patreon or just contributing by telling friends and family or giving some rating on iTunes, we appreciate it all. All of it helps. And keep doing what you're doing. We love you all and have a good night.